feel like I'm uh, conducting an orchestra with that music coming in. Uh, well, good morning, church. So glad that you are here. It's a blessing to be with you. It's a blessing to be able to, to bring a message uh, to you today. Uh, right now, though, I, I, I ask that you would just join me in prayer that, that God would bless this time together. Father, you are, you are a great God. And we thank you that, that we get to meet freely in a, a place like this, that uh, we can worship you without, without concern about what, what else is going to happen to us. And God, right now during this time, I, I pray that our, our worship is, is acceptable to you, that it's pleasing to you. I pray that as, as I, I speak, Lord, that it would not be my words, that it would be your words that are coming out, that, uh, that as, as, as these wonderful people hear, that, that their hearts would, would be open to what it is that, uh, that you are saying through me. Thank you for your love. I thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, well, uh, what, what a hot day it is today, right? Um, I decided to wear pants today. Normally it would be shorts, but for you guys, I, I wore pants. I'm going to suffer on the way home, uh, but that's fine. Today we're talking about the, the parable of the rich fool. Uh, sometimes I more identify with the poor fool, uh, when, it, when it comes to financial investments and whatnot. Uh, that one's not found in the New Testament or the Old Testament. It is actually more of a story straight from the plot line of my own life. Uh, I by no means have any financial advice to give you, okay? Uh, I think I have to say that as a disclaimer. But I think I get the basic principle of investing. You know, you, the idea is you want to get the most back for, the, for what you put in. It's called a return on your investment. I even know th that it's ROI. I've seen that on, on some paper that, that these people keep sending me in the mail. You want to buy low, you want to sell high. You want to get in early, you know, on, on ground level, as they say. I hear, that's, I hear that's the good thing. And you're supposed to think long term. Long, the long term investment is not these, not these short, quick gains that you're looking for. Well, back early in, in 2021, I decided to dip my toe in the waters of investing. And I decided to go in the realm of cryptocurrency. And now some of you guys are shaking your head and like, Steve, you don't know anything about what you're talking about. Why would you go there? Well, I wasn't by any means going to risk it all. But here's what I had. I had $40 that, I, that was my own spending money. And I thought, you know what? What's the harm? What's the worst that could happen? From my knowledge, you cannot lose more than what you put in, right? Okay, I, I think so. Um, so I bought $40 of a crypto called Dogecoin. Now, I'll, I'll have a picture of it here. And before, before you get too judgmental on this, I had read two to three articles saying that this was a decently, like a, a decent place to put your money. It was pretty cheap at the time. Um, but, and it's, it is, it's not Bitcoin by any means, okay? But little did I know that this is, it started more as a joke, okay? I guess some IBM engineers like decided it would be funny to make a, make a cryptocurrency out of this. And if, uh, maybe you don't recognize it, but this dog is actually a part of a popular meme that was, that was around. And, and they just decided to, to make this cryptocurrency. And while I read these two to three articles in, in my heavy research, I did not know that this was started as a joke. Uh, otherwise, I may have put my $40 somewhere else. But my $40 turned into $60. 
My 60 turned into 100. And I told my wife about this amazing intuition that I have for this type of thing. And I told her it was time to make a major investment. And honestly, this was right around that time that Elon Musk was even getting behind Dogecoin. He was talking about it and saying, yeah, it's legit. Go for it. It's going to be the next big thing. Even driving down the street, I saw some car dealerships on their signs saying, we accept Dogecoin as currency. And I was like, well, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. Okay? Now, I don't typically take my financial advice from car dealers, but it fit. It was going the right way. So it took, some, it took some convincing, but my wife finally allowed me to make that large investment. $100. $100 more dollars in Dogecoin. And sure, I, I would have done more personally, but uh, she is the voice of reason in, in the family, and, and I find it good and like about 99% of the time beneficial to listen to her. I mean, but you hear, you hear those stories of the people that got in early with Bitcoin and all these, and all these other things, and they maybe have thrown like a couple hundred or a thousand towards it, and, and they walk out the other side as millionaires. Well, my investment in Dogecoin, it, it started going up even more. And in May, or beginning of May 2021, so this is a very short-term investment, right? It spiked, okay? And my portfolio, that's how I refer to it when I talked to it about uh, with my wife. <laughs> hey, hey, my portfolio is, is exploding. It had, it had doubled once again. And I thought, this is it. We're going to, the saying was, to the moon. Okay, that's how us Doge investors talked. Uh, we were, we were going to keep on riding this thing to the top. But if you haven't already checked uh, in, in, on your phone, where Dogecoin is at today, uh, it's, it's well below 10 cents a share. At its peak, it was about 60. I mean, so I wasn't, I wasn't dealing with huge numbers here, but I, I'm so thankful that my wife is the voice of reason. Okay, so that's, that's the story of the poor fool going on right there. And, and let's look at today's story about the rich fool. It's found in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And, and to kind of set it up, what's happening here is Jesus, he, he's been teaching. And then this guy comes up to him and he asks this question. And, and that's kind of typical for how these parables start. Jesus, uh, I mean, the master teacher, he, he has a question from someone. and He's like, let me tell you a story about that. Okay, so here we go. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Jesus said to him, Man, who made me judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I now I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So, so is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich 
toward God. It's quite the parable, right? Quite the parable. I think an important thing with this, this whole passage is uh, even, even as the guy comes and asks the question, we have to look at, look at the inheritance that he's wanting. Now, in this time, I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, when we had the prodigal son about what an inheritance was at this time. Um, the inheritance really favored the older son. If there were two sons, it would be split into three portions. Two of those would go to the first son, and then one-third would go to the other son. The, the oldest got a double portion. So if there were four sons, we can do math, right? They would be split into five portions, two-fifths to the oldest, and then one-fifth for the other three. And so while the, the oldest son receives the, the double portion, it's not just because he's the favorite. It's not just because, uh, because he got there first. There was also a lot of responsibility, a lot of expectation that came with that. And now there's some debate. I mean, it's, it's really unclear from the scripture about who this, son, who this man was. Was he an older son or was he the younger son? But I think we do get some hints from Jesus's response. And I think it's, it's interesting that when Jesus responds, he, it says, Jesus said to them. Now, it's either... The other brother is also there. Okay, so you got both brothers coming in, and one of them's asking, hey, can you, can you get him to split the inheritance with me? Or Jesus is giving an answer to the one man, that one brother, as he addresses the whole crowd. And he says, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, this word covetousness, it's, it's a pretty good clue, and I believe it leads, us to, leads me to believe that this is the younger brother. The younger brother is the one that's asking. And, and the Greek, I even looked the Greek up for this, so like, well done, Steve. Uh, the Greek word is pleonexia, and you don't have to see if I, or check if I said that right, just assume it's close. It really means like a greedy desire to have more. And when it's in the, this idea of covetousness, he's wanting more of something that belongs to somebody else. Therefore, it seems this brother, is, this man that asked the question, is wanting something that belongs to his other brother. He's wanting, he's wanting more. But Jesus, he doesn't give a ruling on the inheritance, uh, but he does give some advice. He says, he says, living your life concerned about how much money you make or concerned about the possessions that you have, that's no way to live your life at all. He tells him life is more than just the possessions that you have. There's more to it. And honestly, it seems like the things that this guy was struggling with are some of the things that we struggle with here today. I mean, we tend to use our possessions as a way to express the quality of our life. The balance of our bank account somehow, somehow has an effect on, on how we're doing, right? Maybe the, maybe the condition of your portfolio has that same effect. Or maybe we see a house, a nice house, and we think, or a nice neighborhood, and we think, man, these people, they've just, they've just made it. They've done really well. Question I have for you, is your, is your life marked by what you have? Or perhaps in the case of this man that approaches Jesus and asks this question, is your life marked by the things that you don't have 
and that you want? For instance, maybe, maybe you're just pushing really hard for that next promotion. Maybe it's that nice house. Once you get that house, it's going to be such a big change and, and such a, a great thing in your life. Or maybe it's a new car. Or I mean, it's Idaho, right? Maybe it's that new truck. Maybe it's that new truck that's really going to make it happen. Or maybe, maybe it's that piece of land way out there that you're, really, that you're really pushing for just to get away. What kind of benchmarks are you pursuing? I think the guy that that came up to, to Jesus and asked this question, he didn't want his inheritance. He wanted more inheritance. What benchmarks are you pursuing? If we, if we continue on looking at, as Jesus continues, or as he starts this parable in verse 16, I think he really chooses his words carefully. I mean, right, he, he is God, he's, he knows what he's doing. And he says, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. It's not even by the the man's own work that he has a great harvest. It's not like he plowed it just right. It's not like he chose the the good fertilizer for for the crop that he has. It's not like he he chose the the best seed to plant. This guy, he, he had a great harvest because God blessed him. God blessed him to have a plentiful harvest. And his reaction, it's not thankfulness. His reaction isn't to invest it. It's not even to share it and bless others. His reaction is, what will I do with my crops? How will I store my crops? This reminded me of a passage that I had read last week. Uh, It's in in 2 Corinthians. Um, So if you want to turn your Bible there, uh, go for it now. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. And what's happening here is Paul is writing to the Corinthians about an offering. And this offering is one that, that they, the Corinthian church had started collecting probably about a year previous to this. And Paul, he's encouraging them. He's like, hey, you guys, we, we kind of hit a stalling moment, but this is the time to finish it. And he's encouraging, finish it strong, but, but don't give more than what, don't give out of, out of a pressure. And he, he says this to them. So this is a, chapter 9, verse 6. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Remember that point right there. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply, a multiple, uh, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us, will produce thanksgiving to God. Church, God enriches the lives of people in order for them to bless others. Did you catch that? He, he enriches our lives so that we can bless others. And I think an important question here is, do you recognize ble- the blessings that God has given you as blessings or as earnings? You get the difference there? 
I think the man in this, in this parable, even though it was the land, or really it was, it was God that gave him that, that plentiful harvest, the man saw it as earnings instead of blessings. And then he thought, what should I do with, with my crops? Let's continue on and, and, and uh, look at verse 19. Now again, this man could have done so many things with his wealth. He could have invested it. He could have shared it. But he decided to keep it all to himself and, and store and tear down barns, build new ones, right? And then he turns to himself and he says, soul, soul, you have ample goods. You have, you have so much right now. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I think this is a major trap that we even fall into today. Okay, it's a major trap. This man assumes that the material goods, material things are what is good for his soul. I mean, how many of us have been guilty of that? I know that I have. I know that, that I've reasoned buying something saying like, no, this will be good for me. This will be, this will be good for my soul, right? Material things aren't going to make our souls satisfied. It's not, it's not what God has, has designed us for. Let's continue on, uh, uh, verse 21. Jesus, he's, this is kind of his summary statement, his, his statement to really punch it home. He says, so is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. So he's saying the person who does that is a fool. The person who does that is the fool. And the problem is, is not storing things up for yourself. The real problem here is, is not being rich toward God. So being rich toward God, what, is, what does that necessarily look like? I mean, it, it, it's, not, it's not that you have to give a lot of money. It's not that you have to, to give to the church or give to charity or, or just spread your money out all over the place. But to be rich in the things that God desires for you. Value the things that God values. And you may be asking, well, what, what does he value? What does God want for me? What does God want from me? You guys are asking that, right? I've got an answer. Let's go to the Old Testament. Micah 6, 8, it'll be up here on the screen. Uh, this one might be familiar to you, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great one. It says, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. This is, this is a great little synopsis for what God values, for what, for what it means to, to walk or to be rich towards God. I mean, if we're walking humbly with him, we're being obedient to him. We're saying, God, you know you're up here, right? And I'm, 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 I'm down here. I humble myself to what you have for me, your knowledge. And so we're, we're walking in obedience. If we're, if we're walking humbly with God in regard to Jesus, we're saying, Jesus, you, you can do something that I can't. You can take my sin away. You can forgive my sin and offer me eternal life. That's something that I can't. So, so I humble myself before you, Jesus. And when it comes to the Spirit, if we humble ourselves to the Spirit, we're saying, Spirit, I want you to guide me because you will guide me better than what I will guide myself. And when we humble ourselves to the Spirit, we begin to have the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit uh, grows within our lives. And all of this ending in what I believe is richness towards God. So one of the things uh, that, you, that gets drilled into your head at Bible college is, is that context matters, 
okay? Seems like each class is like context, context, context. You guys, context matters. And so you can hit the books, you can grab your, uh, you can grab your commentaries and your theolo- all your theological resources, or you can do kind of the simplified version of it, I believe, okay? Don't let the chapters and the headings in your Bible dictate where you start reading and where you stop reading. I mean, those, those can be helpful at times, yes, but, but other times they can sell you short and, and you stop right there at verse 21 and you're like, okay, that's it. But if you, if you join me as we go past verse 21 into verses 22 and, and through 31, we'll see that Jesus, he's not done. He's not done talking. So he says this. He says, and he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body and what you will put on it. For life is more than food and body more than the clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And how much more value are you than, these, than the birds? And which of you by uh, being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added for you. I think a great summary of this, uh, if we had to summarize it, would be, don't be anxious about your life, but seek first the kingdom of God. Another thing in Bible college, and, and honestly, this is probably any high school English class, uh, that I just, I never paid attention in those. So um, it would be when you see the word therefore, it's there for a reason. You guys get how they do that? Pretty tricky, right? Um, so what, what we, when we see that word, it's like, okay, well, what was before this? In verse 21, Jesus had just finished saying, we need to be rich toward God, not just rich in possessions and money. We don't need to focus on the possessions and money, just the richness towards God. And then he connects verse 22, saying we don't need to be anxious about life. Now, the man who approached him that that really prompted this parable, uh, he's supposedly a Jew because he's he's coming to a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher, and remember, he's, he's either the older brother or the younger brother. And, and my suspicion is he's the younger. And there's one of two reasons why he's coming to Jesus. He's either worried that he's not going to have enough to survive, or he's worried that he's not going to have enough to be comfortable. And that's what prompts him to go to this, this wonderful teacher. And given Jesus's uh, Jesus' Jesus's words and, and really the parable of itself, it seems like it's the latter of those. It seems like he's, he's worried that he won't be comfortable in life. And, and just like the rich fool in the story that Jesus tells, the man wants a life where he can say to himself or to his soul, say, hey, relax, 
kick back. You know, we, we've got this. We, we finally have enough that we, can, that we can not worry about anything. You see, the issue is, the man is more concerned about what Jesus has to say in regard to the inheritance that he wants than anything else that Jesus was saying that day. Remember, context matters. So if you look at, at uh, verse, tw- or verse 8, sorry, chapter 12, verse 8, Jesus says this. He, this is right before the man comes up to Jesus. He says, everyone, this is Jesus, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. And then he says in verse 9, uh, just vice versa, he says, the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Can you think the nerve of this guy? Here Jesus, he, he, get, he just teaches this amazing thing, says some really serious stuff, and then it's, it's just like that guy who, who in the middle of a, a teaching or a lesson, right at the serious part, he stands up and makes a joke just to get a laugh. You know, I had that kid at camp last week, okay? And, and this guy, he, he does that. He says, he basically comes up to, to Jesus after he makes this, this really serious point, and he says, Jesus, I heard the whole like confessing you before others and such, but listen, can you help me get my brother to split the inheritance with me? Can you, like the nerve of this guy. And honestly, Jesus is so gracious. If it were me, I would have, I would have just read the guy and be like, you're not even paying attention to what I'm saying. Why are you asking my advice anyway? But Jesus, he is, he is much more gracious, much more patient than I am. And I, I hope this guy stayed around to hear what Jesus had to say after the parable. I hope that this guy heard Jesus say, don't be anxious about your life, but seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus continues uh, a little further into verse 32 through 34, and he says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, and with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I I love that verse 34. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So was this man that that came to Jesus, where was his treasure? Was Was it listening to Jesus's teachings? Or was it concerned, was his treasure with, with the, the money about the inheritance? And I think the easy question for us, church, is where is your heart? Is your heart caught up in the possessions of this world, the possessions that you either have or do not have? Or is your treasure and your heart truly in Jesus' teachings? Not sure. Well, I've got an exercise for you, so let's, let's go to it. And, and this is, I made the exercise, it's, it's super easy. Uh, it, they all begin with the letter T, okay? Uh, some reason that's a, a thing that pastors do, and, and I just assume if, if, it's not, uh, if it's not able to be put into an alliteration or an acronym, it's just not worth teaching. So let's, let's do this. Uh, the first one is consider your treasures, Okay? Now, I know that kind of muddies it up because it's like, well, where your treasure is, your heart is also. But consider your treasures. How are you spending the money that you have? How are you using your possessions? Are you using them for yourself, for your own pleasure? 
Do you cling to your things, or do you tend to be more open-handed with them? Are you generous? Are you a, a cheerful giver? Remember Paul? God loves a cheerful giver. So as we look at where our treasures or where our heart really is, think about these things. What are you spending your money on, and how are you using your possessions? The second one is, is time. What are you spending most of your time doing? Now, I know, I know work is, is probably uh, one of the, the majority of the answers, uh, but what does it look like, what, what do you look like in your workplace? Are you being salt and light as we're called to do? Or do you spend, the rest, you spend most of your day looking like the rest of the world? The thing is, we're called to be different. We're called to be, that's, we're called to be holy, right? Holy means to be set apart, different than the rest of the world. How about the rest, of, the rest of the hours in the day? Do you spend them trying to entertain yourself, or do you spend them trying to serve others? Do you study stats, sports, finance? So I could use your help. Uh, do you, study, do you take, spend your time studying politics, or do you save that time, some of that time in your day and study God's word? So what do you spend most of your time doing? The third one is talents. Are you using the gifts that God has given you? Are you using the talents that God has given you just to make your life better, or are you using it for others too? And you don't have to, you don't have to give everything away for free. I, I believe that's not what God is really calling us to do unless, unless you have that big of an attachment to it. But, but are you using your gifts to bless others? I have, a, I have a good friend who's an electrician, and, uh, and I asked him for some help or some advice as I was uh, doing an addition on my house, and we thought it would be pretty good to have electricity in the kids' room and, and, and let them have lights, and, and also the county kind of required it, so we said, sure. And, and so I asked him for some advice and help, and he, he showed me what I needed to buy. He explained how, how to hook up the switches and, and to the lights and, and do the outlets, and, and if you haven't heard of a three-way switch, I've installed one, forgotten completely of what I did, but uh, luckily my friend who had, a, who had this talent blessed me by sharing his knowledge and advice, and he made sure I did it safely. See, you don't have to do everything when you have a talent. It can be, I mean, he blessed me, he blessed my family just by, just by helping some. Just by sharing some advice, sharing some tips, he didn't have to do the whole thing to me, uh, for, me, for us just to bless me. Okay, so how are you using your talents? The fourth one is, is talking. Okay, what, what, are the, what are you talking most about with others? Are your conversations, do they look shallow? Are they, are they about the sports, you know, about the weather and, and things like that? Or are you having meaningful conversations? Are you having encouraging conversations that build each other up. One of the, one of the verses that, that I memorized early on in, in my life, it was, it was required to go on a, a mission trip when I was in high school. It was Ephesians 4.29. And it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And sometimes we use that, that passage just to say, Hey, don't let, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, okay? No unwholesome talk. But we, we forget, like, are the words that come out of my mouth building others up 
according to their needs? Are, are the words that are coming out of my mouth, are my conversations benefiting those who hear them, who, who I'm engaged in a conversation with? I think using these four, these four T's uh, are a great way to measure, a great way for you to find out where your treasure is and therefore where your heart is. It'll show you where you're making investments in your life. Now, investing in material things, you guys, it's not a bad thing. You mean invest in businesses, sure. Invest in a house, in stocks and bonds. Invest in Dogecoin if you want. I, there's some rumors, okay? Uh, again, not my advice. Um, but even if, even if Dogecoin took off and I made millions on it, the wealth that I had from that would not outlast the investments that I have made in my relationship with God. Okay? The relationship with God is, is truly what is going to last. And that is where the rich fool gets it wrong. And this is where Jesus is trying to point that guy who, who comes with this question. He's trying to point him and, and get him to understand this. Personally, I'd rather be a financially poor fool and rich toward God than a rich fool that is poor towards God. The investments made with God have an everlasting return on them. They will for sure benefit you while you're in this life, but, but it's uh, eternity with God, it's kind of hard to put that price tag on it, right? Other than the life of, of Jesus Christ. It's not something that you can save up for. It's not something that you can earn. It is a gift. It is a gift given to those that call on the name of Jesus to be their Lord and their Savior. It is a gift given to those who say, I want Jesus as my king, and I want to live in his kingdom. I want to be a part of his kingdom. And so now remember, don't take financial advice from me. But as far as, as, far as investing in your faith, we have got to listen to this parable. It is, it is something that will, uh, that will cause you to, to take the right steps, okay? Listen to the parable and take action on it. So the question for you again is what investments have you made this past week? I'm not looking for financial advice. What spiritual investments have you made this past week? And if you think, Steve, well, I've done, I've done pretty well. I've been, I've been making good spiritual investments in my life this week. Great. What spiritual investments have you given? What spiritual advice have you given to others this week? We're, I believe that we're called to do both. My prayer is that, that each of you and, and I myself will not be a fool. And that we will see the riches of this world and we'll see them for what they truly are and that we will pass by them with ease. And, and I pray that, that we will see what the riches of God truly are and, and that we will seek them first and foremost in our life. And I, I, have, a, I have a challenge for each of you, okay? A challenge uh, to make an investment. First of all, for those of you who do not know Jesus or, or do, not, uh, do not have him as your savior or, or confused about the Bible and what it is, this fall, we have Pastor, Pastor Harv and I will be offering a class. We're calling it First Steps at Foothills. And what it is, it's going to uh, tell you about who Jesus is, about what it means to be a part of kingdom and, and what it means to accept him as your savior. If you're someone who is, who's just getting into this whole Jesus and church thing and Bible thing, I encourage you, join us for that. Honestly, what, what, what would be stopping you? 
It's a small investment that you can make that will have big returns and make a world of difference in your life, okay? If, if you already have accepted Jesus in your life, I have this question for you. Is your life marked as one that is rich toward God? Is it rich toward God? Use those, use those four T's that we talked about to kind of as- assess where your life is. And if you find, wow, it's not as rich toward God as I would want, okay, jump into a small group. Join a small group. If, if small groups aren't really your thing, then find someone who, who is following God, find someone that you trust, and ask them to, to enter into a discipleship relationship with you. Ask them to, to be your mentor and to help you grow to be more like Christ. If your answer to that uh, is, is yes, well, Steve, my, my life is rich toward God. I'm, I'm doing well. I love the Lord and following, following where he leads me. Then, then my challenge to you is find someone who wants to further their walk with Christ? Who wants to, to build that relationship? Find that person and say, I want, I want to mentor you. I want to disciple you and help you experience the grace that God has given me. Uh, that is my challenge to you. And if you're like, wow, I've never, I've never discipled anyone, guess what? This fall, we're going to be, we're going to be offering a, a, a how to be a discipler type of, of class. I hate saying class. That doesn't sound like very fun stuff, right? But how to be a disciple, how to disciple someone. I know that as I was growing up, I was never in like that, that formal discipleship relationship, that, that process. And so I felt very insufficient when, when I went to disciple somebody. But we want to equip you. We want to equip you to uh, fulfill the commission that Jesus has given you, to go and make disciples. Yeah, that's, that's on, on, on us pastors. Yeah, but it's also on all of you too to go and make disciples. So, so join us for that. Join us in, in what it, uh, finding out what it means to be a discipler. You guys, there, there are some great things going on in the church. Some great things going on here at Foothills. Uh, the church valley-wide. I mean, there's some great things going on in the church worldwide. And the question is, where are you making your investments? Okay, would you, would you stand for closing prayer? Father, help us to not be fools. Help us to, to be rich towards you and not so concerned about the possessions, the, the worldly things that we have. Help us to, to share your love and be rich towards you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a blessed week.